following show contains adult content. It's not our intent to offend anyone, but we want to inform you that if you are a child under the age of 18 or get offended easily, this next show may not be for you. The content, opinions, and subject matter of these shows are solely the choice of your show hosts and their guests, and not those of the Entertainment Network or any affiliated stations. Any comments or inquiries should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, bringing you the good times in music, fashion, pop culture, and entertainment. We're going to have an interesting show for you guys today. Uh, we have Harley uh, Harley Wallen and Jan Burtz coming on to talk about their new film, and possibly Lorraine Landon, if she gets back from the driver's license place quick enough, is going to call in also. Um, should be a lot of fun. In the meantime, well, let's say hi to everybody, and I'll start off with my unfortunately sick, uh, cool, outrageous man about town host, uh, host Mr. Ron Russell, I'm all messed up, too. I'm sick, too. It got me. Jimmy had it. He's been sick for, like, two weeks. He still got it. I was it. doing good. Now I've got it. So today, don't expect too much from me, folks. I can't see. I can't hear. My hearing, I, I guess my head cold is so bad that it's clogging every fucking hole. Anyway, um... I'm going to do my best because, like they say, the show. What are you pulling hairs off my mic? Where, yeah. was, where was this mic, Jimmy? Up I don't, here? <laughs> I don't um, have those kind of hairs. <laughs> so, um, I forgot what I was saying. Already. Oh, there's See? a little dog. Oh yeah, they, whoever the hell said the show must go on was crazy. He didn't have a head flu. As to where these flus are coming from, I don't know. But I wrote this morning on Facebook that back in 1940, when I was a kid, in the 50s, when I was a teenager, in the 60s, when I was a grown-up, we didn't have all of these flus. We would get sick occasionally. Now it's twice a year, three times a year. Why? Because of the jet plane. I read that many years ago. Before the jet plane, people didn't fly very much. They had ha not even thir a third of the air airplanes that we have flying now. Most people did ocean liners. They went to Europe by, by boat and came back. And you were quarantined if you were sick. There was a control over who came into our country and what germs they have. Now we have diphtheria, tuberculosis, all these diseases that we got rid of years ago. And now we got they the, are the being food. brought in. They are being brought in by foreigners who come to visit our country or come to stay in our country. We need to have some kind of a quarantine again. There has to be some kind of a place where people can be inspected to see if they're sick. And if they're sick, they have to go somewhere and get help and not spread their germs. And now with this new thing, the Chinese, what is it called? The corona? I don't even know. The corona flu? The corona flu is killing people. Um, that, they said, is because rats were fed to... Um, I, th I think it was lambs or chickens or something, and the rats had the disease, and the disease went into the lamb or whatever, and the people that ate in a certain restaurant in China became ill, and they're spreading it. So I think we have a very, very major crisis here about germs and what's going on. 
We need to have better health. Healthcare in this country stinks. We need to get the uh, healthcare people to clean it up. People on the streets that are urinating and defecating on the sidewalks are causing germs, causing disease. This is unhealthy. We are living in sewers now. That's what the streets have become in L.A., sewers, because of the homeless. I feel bad for everybody, but I also feel bad for myself and my children and Jimmy, that we have to live among all this garbage, dirt, and We actually have it the best crap. in Palm Springs. Well, it's good in Palm Springs, but, you know, we were at, uh, Jimmy wanted to go to uh, Wendy's, and we went to Wendy's, and two homeless people were eating in Wendy's. Yes, I think it's nice that they ate in Wendy's, but no, if they have lice, I don't want lice on the chair, and then I sit there and I get the lice. This is my point. They're not clean. They don't shower. They smell. They're dirty. And they're sitting next to me, and I want to throw up. And we need to do something So you know it. what, folks? I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of kissing ass, of feeling sorry for people. I'm starting to feel sorry for me because I don't know America to be this way. Years ago, it was different. If you were a homeless person, you were brought to a foundation or some sort of a facility where you were given drugs and taken care of. Today, homelessness has become a joke. It's become another way of living. You should see it in L.A., you guys. You really have If no you saw idea. L.A. tents all over the streets, I mean, On it's, the sidewalk. It, it's gotten to be out of hand. It's totally ridiculous. It's offensive to us. We taxpayers that pay money to live in these cities. I mean, garbage men don't even come around with a street cleaning machine anymore to pick up the crap in the gutter. Anyway, that's why we're all sick, because we live in a filthy environment of germs that God knows where they came from. So hold on, let's say hi to everybody. No, I'm not saying hi to anybody. Yeah. I'm feeling sorry for me. Look, don't feel sorry. You look beautiful, by the well, way. They, in the I'm, chat room, they say for someone who's sick, you look so amazing. Yeah, well, if you had as much makeup on as I had, you'd look gorgeous. <laughs> so I told Jimmy, do I look like a corpse? I put. Let's say hi, though. Come on, hold no, on. I'm not saying hi to anybody. Okay, well, I'm going to say hi. So we want to give a shout-out, first of all, to the fabulous Danielle, which we have not heard her voice yet. She's at the W4CY Studios in Wellington. Hello, Danielle. Hello, hello, hello. There you go. Then we got the super terrific Scotty J in Philadelphia. What's up, Scotty J? Yo, guys. There you go. Stefan Bell is in. Uh, he's on the phone. He said he's there. So what's up, Stefan? We got a chat room full of people. Dave Hughes from Stars Now UK. Eileen Shapiro. Hello, Eileen. Teresa Sabin. Cindy Lady Lake. Hello, hello. Um, it's going fast and I can't see everybody that's in there. Uh, Dave Hughes, Teresa. Anyway, you guys, we're going to have a fun show for you today. Uh, we had a, an interesting weekend. We went to a cool Oscar party. I mean, not Oscar. Oscars is coming up. We went to a cool pre-Grammy party Friday night. Ron worked the red carpet and uh, interviewed some of the cool people. And probably the coolest one that we got to like meet is someone who's been a friend of mine for 15 years. And uh, her name is Tracy Young. She's the DJ who married Madonna. And I actually did a music video with her and Joya Bruno for Expose back in the day. And so we, we uh, talked to her. Ron got to meet her and interview her. And then Sunday night, she won a Grammy for best producer, best remix of a Madonna song, first female ever in the history of the Grammys to win that. And what's not wonderful is she's gay and she's gay family. And I'm happy and proud to announce that she's family. 
That's right. So that was a really cool thing. We also met like some cool actors from Game of Thrones. I don't know. We met a lot of cool people. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Ron was like actually like running around interviewing the bigger people that were on the red carpet that showed up. Sp- he looked gorgeous. They were spreading germs, I bet. They were spitting all over my face when they were talking to me, hitting me with flu germs. <laughs> really, I think I'm going to wear a mask from now on like all the Chinese people do. There, Except I was told by a doctor. Those masks are only good for about 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, they no longer function. Why? I don't know. Yeah, you have to change them every 15 minutes. Yeah, well, that's bullshit. (laughs) I mean, we're not going to walk around with a box of uh, masks now. But seriously, when you're in our business and you're out there with all the people, touching, holding, hugging, and that kissing crap has got to go. Everybody kissing me on the lips like I was their mother. No way. Get out of there. No more kissing, handshaking now. From a distance, because kissing and you're spreading viruses and germs. That's true. That's how come I got sick. I either and I'm, I didn't. I don't know if I caught it from Jimmy, because he was sick. But I had nothing to do with Jimmy. I stayed away from him. I, I made him, like, you know, go to the other side of the bed. And, yeah, we didn't. We haven't like been near each other. But I'm still sick. I've still got the bronchitis. Yeah, so enough about sick. Yeah, we don't want to talk about Anyway, that event was okay. The music was so goddamn loud. It was terrible, though. Why do these young people think that upping the amp and blowing out the speakers is what we want to hear? You know, there's such a thing as obnoxious. And that music at that affair was obnoxious. Every one of them were obnoxious. They were saying, hear me, screw you, don't talk among yourselves. I'm going to make it so that you're going to hear me whether you like it or not. And I didn't like it. And I made a comment about it to the superior people, and they agreed. The uppers of, the, of that affair said the same thing. No one could speak. Luckily, they came in and out, so they did it for 15 minutes, and then they stopped, and then they did it. Yeah, but when they stopped, stopped, they played Frank Sinatra. They played normal music that was delicious and nice, and we were able to chat. But then they came back on screaming. Why must they scream? Do they call that singing today? Screaming like they're being raped. Ugh. I hate to be like an old bag. You know, old people used to talk this way years ago about jazz and about uh, rock and roll. And I think I'm becoming one of them. Except rock and roll was good. It was nice. You can understand it. You can hear it. You could sing to it and dance to it. But this crap of today, you can't hear the lyrics. All you hear is a... That's just in the rock, though. And they all have that same gutter voice. Like they... Like they're choking on a pubic hair. That's hilarious. So we also... How many people How many people actually watched the Grammys? We didn't watch it. I watched a few minutes of it. <clears throat> Uh, some of the people that won I like, some of the people that won I didn't like. Um, I talked with uh, uh, Cece Hendricks about it, our guest from two weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about different people. We're going to have her come back on in, a, in another like month or so because she was so much fun. And, and I want to thank everybody who's been listening to us on iHeartRadio because we were the top 100 podcasts on iHeartRadio again, so that's five times out of the last like 10 that we've been in the top 100 podcasts out of 750,000 podcasts in the world. So thank you so much. Um, also, Billy Hess just joined us in the chat room. What's up, Billy Hess? And so did Bruce Glasgow in, uh, from Texas. Billy, hi, what's hi, up? Hi, Billy. How do you feel, honey? Is your back okay? Did you go to another spa to fix your back, baby? Because Billy has a bad back. God only knows why. So he goes to spas and gets a lot of massages. There you go. Mm. Right, Billy? Eileen says she didn't watch it. She didn't watch the Grammys. She's on a plane. A lot yeah, of people well, didn't actually watch you did, it. You didn't miss anything, Eileen. Uh, but Lady Lake said she liked Demi Lovato, and I agree. That was probably the best part of the whole night was Demi Lovato. I, I looked at two minutes of it, and I said to Jimmy, I haven't a clue who any of these people are. Not a one. 
Uh, well, of course, because when they were born, I was already 50, you know, so come on. Anyway, not for me. There's just certain things that people my age just don't do. Um, and that's like get involved with the young people today. But you're involved with them all the time. You're making movies with them. Yeah, they're, they're, my young people are different young people. They're not Grammy people. Eileen is with the Grammy people. She'll tell you everyone's name and every group and every piece of music they've ever made. And she's no chicken either. What is she, 50, 52, 52? <laughs> Whatever. So she studied music because she loves Adam Ant. She goes all over the world traveling to be with Adam Ant because she's adoring him. She loves him to death. Why? I don't know. He's a skinny, ugly little thing. But anyway, <laughs> you know, she, she sells each his own to each his own. So who who is the who's the little one that you would if you were gonna like travel around following somebody who would you travel around and follow? Yeah, I know you I, wouldn't, but I, if you I, would, so I, this is totally I, hypothetical because you would never do it. Anyway. Well, if I had to follow someone because it was a law, I would follow Johnny Mantis because I adore the man. I've met the man three or four or five times, and I love him. He's kind. He's gentle. He's sweet. His music is beautiful. His voice is still gorgeous at eighty-two or eighty-three years old. And Johnny Mantis is a, a nice guy. You know, he's okay. Billy, yeah, I like Johnny Mantis. So Billy Hess says that he and Mark are coming out to see us for the Oscar party. I know. I can't wait to see Mark. You, Billy, I've seen enough of already with the bad back, with the spawn, the whole thing. My God. But Mark is a nice young man who's healthy and strong. He doesn't have a bad back, and he doesn't need to go to spas. There you go. So just uh, Lady Lake says she'd follow Stevie Nicks. She Who? Wants, Lady Lake's like Stevie Nicks. Oh, my daughter Leslie. We just saw her there. Stevie Nicks. I love Stevie Nicks. She's a favorite of mine. I would love to interview Stevie. I almost came to have her on my show years ago and set the record straight. <clears throat> Interesting story. Uh, she wasn't with uh, Fleetwood Mac at the time. I think she was separated or whatever, going on her own. And she wanted some publicity for her own singles. And I don't know what happened, but then she went back with Fleetwood Mac, and uh, they didn't want to do it. So there was a whole bunch of bullshit with them. But, yeah, I like Stevie. Absolutely. Um, also, uh, they said you blew her cover, but no, Eileen, he didn't blow Eileen's cover. How did I blow your cover? I'm not sure. I like to follow Dorothy. Somebody. What, it's, 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 it's a secret that you love Adam Ant? I mean, come on. It's all over the place. <laughs> I and mean, actually, one of our guests coming on today has done something with Adam Ant. Yeah, probably his eye makeup. You <laughs> see the eye makeup Adam Ant wears? There's only one other person that looks like Adam Ant, my friend Denae Montague King. He could be Adam Ant's sister or brother. They look alike, and they wear the same amount of makeup. And when they do <laughs> photographs, they, they, they clean the photographs up so much they look 12. Just the picture of Denae on Facebook. Oh, he's got it. nerve. I mean, this guy is 74 years old. He used the Photoshop. I mean, he took away every feature. All he's got is nostrils and eyeballs and looks 10. I can't believe it. Now, when you see him in person, you say that's not the same person. Anyway, who are you fooling, folks? Show it like it is. Be honest. Come on. Nothing wrong with looking old and broken down. Look at me. You're not broken down. Yeah, right. Oh, bullshit, oh. bullshit, bullshit. You look fabulous. Everybody yeah, in the town says how fabulous. 100 years old. That's like, you know, Kay Ballard said to me when I was interviewing her. She said, yeah, like when you're young, they all say you look beautiful. Then when, then when you're middle-aged, they say you look good. And then when you're old, they say, oh, you look great for your age. That's funny. 
That's actually true, though. Yeah, it is they do true. They say that. They do I say look that. great for my age. If I were 40, they'd say I'm an ugly old fucking wrinkled bitch. But because I'm 137, they say, oh, you look good for your age. It's so funny, too, because I talked to J.J. Catrone today. He showed up out of nowhere, unfortunately, which we want to... J.J., know, what is going um, on with J.J.? Unfortunately, J.J.'s older daughter was killed by no. a, was killed by a drunk driver th- a month ago. And oh, so no. They're going to put together like a benefit concert for her. And they, oh, he wants us no. to go to Tennessee and like and MC the thing. Oh, my God. Uh, so we will send prayers oh, to J.J. Catron and J. his family. J.J., I'm so sorry. Oh, I really am. Oh, my God. How old was she? 20. She was 20. Oh, um, J.J., Oh, baby, what can I say? They say uh, your shirt matches your mug and that you look better than most men at 40. Oh, fuck everybody. I'm not interested right now. J.J.'s daughter was killed in a car crash. You guys remember J.J. Catron? We've had him on the show in I love J.J. He's a great musician. He's retired, but he's coming out of retire from for a benefit concert. He promised me his full-length fox coat, the fuck, and he never <laughs> gave it to me. But <laughs> I'm in California, and I don't need it. But J.J. Catron, he's just one of the nicest guys in the world. Why is this... this that we have to have such tragedy when people are so good. And he's a religious man. And, yeah, t- and he just got guy. over an illness of cancer himself, fighting it. Why do some people get so much bad and some people get so much good? I don't know. It seems like always the good ones are the ones getting the bad, which we want to welcome to. Uh, I read an article on, on Facebook today about Liza Minnelli's mansion in Beverly Hills that she grew up in with Judy Garland and Vincent Minnelli, her father. And... As the years went on, Minnelli died, the father, and he said that his then-wife, who was no longer Judy Garland, should live in the house until she dies. Well, Liza Minnelli went and sold the house, and the poor broad had nowhere to live. That's terrible. Well, that's Liza Minnelli. She's not the nicest person on the block. We all know that. Um, So, you know, people like that, I don't understand. I don't either. So we want to welcome Backpack John. We got to call our guests. So, so Scotty J, how about we got to call Harley and Jan? Um, I, I don't care who I don't care who you, I don't care who you call first. Let's just get them on the line as you can, and Ron and I will keep talking until we get them there. JJ, right. we need both of them. Yeah, we need both of them. JJ, right. if you're listening in, baby, I am so upset I can't breathe. I'm telling you the truth. This is the saddest news, JJ. You've had a shitload of bad luck in the last couple of. 20 years or whatever. I just wish and pray everything gets better for you. Absolutely. I am so upset about this. Are we he going? In good spirits, though, so are we going to Tennessee? Um, we, we may go and post the benefit, yeah. I would go. If we have the, the ability to go, we will go and do it. And host the benefit, definitely. Yeah, it should be fun. I can't believe this crap. Look at Harley. Hey, hey what's, what's up, Harley? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good! Wow! Look Don't at you ask. with a beard. You oh look yeah, good. that's the that's the thing right now, I guess. I don't know. No, you look good, and I'm sure your wife loves it. You look so butch. <laughs> <laughs> no, my brother-in-law had a big, thick mustache like you've got, and he used to call it his pussy bumper. Oh wow, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, men that grow beards, they like to rub their mustache and beards up and down the crotch of a woman, and the woman goes crazy from it. Uh, so now we that's have, why we have so many guys with beards. Now we've got Jan too. Well, wait a minute. When I was when I was going to hairdressing school, there was a fellow that had a beard, and in those days nobody had beards. So we wow. used to say to him, "How come you have a beard?" And then he'd grab the hair on the bottom and he'd go sniff, sniff, because it reminds me of my girlfriend. 
<laughs> you gotta have a long one though to do that. So well, here, yeah. here, here, nobody had a beard back in 1960. Who had beards and mustaches? No one. Only like uh, cavemen or people that lived in hermits, weirdos. Now all the cool people do. <laughs> Look at you, Jan. Jan is here, and Harley. What a nice duo. Genius, so on, genius and talent all over the place. Look yep. at the two of them. There we go. So, all right, everybody. Now we want to welcome to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, the incredibly talented superstars in entertainment. We've got Harley Wallen and Jan Birch. Hello and welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey. Jan, nice Jan, to be you're, here. Yeah. You look, you're standing and you're sitting in front of a sphere that makes you look like a Madonna halo. with the halo around your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I know that when you work, you play the furthest thing from a saint. <laughs> well, you know, I got to do whatever I can do here. See, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's trying to look good. Yin his yang. <laughs> right, right, right. And Holly, what genius have you done lately? What's coming out that we got to see? We're that going we to love? see next week to his premiere. That's why they're on. Oh, wait. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm in, I'm very ill right now. I have the most horrible flu in the world, so I'm doped up on um. What am I on? He's on all kinds of like shit. Yeah, shit. So I God <laughs> yeah. knows what's going to come out of my mouth today. Be careful, boys. <laughs> so hold on, you guys. So we've got a chat room full of people. So wait, each one of you guys say hi. How, to the how's, chat your room? how's your beautiful? Right. I'm still talking. All I know, but we're gonna. Go how's back your to beautiful him. wife? Oh, she's fantastic. Say hello to her and give her a hug for me. She's the nicest girl in the world. She really yeah. is a sweet. She's shy, but she's a sweetie. Yeah, no, she she actually really enjoyed the show with you guys. Yeah, uh, she's a nice girl. Yeah, you guys set her at ease, and and it sounded like you had a good time. Oh, we absolutely. did, and she's a damn good actress. Let me tell yeah. you. I didn't think so when I first met her at the lobby of the, you know, I figured another tomato, you know, beautiful girl <laughs> married the producer she got in the movies like me. You know, I married the producer <laughs> I get in movies. I figured it was the same thing. But no, she really can act. She's a good actress and yeah. a very beautiful Hey, everybody, girl. we're talking about Katie Wallen, and we yeah. had her on the show recently, and she's in the new film that yeah. Harley and Harley and Jan are on promoting. It's called Agramon's Gate. And um, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but we're talking about Katie Wallen. And in the meantime, uh, Jan also has a beautiful wife. Yes, who's a uh, sweetie pie. She's shy so, little thing, too. She's gorgeous. They uh -huh. both have gorgeous wives, you guys. They yes. both have, like, smoking hot I wives. I think I like his wife. Beard. <laughs> 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 she has the beard. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I, I won't even say it. But anyway, your wife, <laughs> but I was going to say what she does with that beard, but we won't talk about it. But, um. Yeah, yawn, 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 same thing. Yawn, 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 yeah. I saw you at the last event. You weren't very friendly. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was friendly to you. I'm always friendly no, you to weren't, you. I, no, you weren't. I went to, you know, kiss you and stick my tongue in your mouth and you pulled away. I couldn't imagine why. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. It was so uh, nice. Maybe it was the beard. Yeah. It, was so, <laughs> it was so nice seeing you and your wife. It always, it's always fun to go to these premieres to see the people that we really like a lot. You know, as much as we have friends in Palm Springs that we're friendly with, I just feel my Hollywood friends are closer and more loving. My movie people. Maybe it's because we all share the same interest, the love of film, the yeah. love of acting, performing. Uh, the want to be directed by terrific directors and not always so, except with this man. If we're directed by this man, we're happy. That's you with the beard. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I, thank you. I mean, I, I really, I really fell in love with with this directing gig, and I think you know, I was telling uh, Jan the other day when we were talking, the the directing came secondary to my acting, and I never ever thought I was gonna love it the way I do, uh, and and now it's just it's in me, and I just I can't shake it. I love it, and it's my fix now. Yeah, but you were born. It was born in you. You have it. Yeah. And I mean, I, some I directors right. want to be directors and they can't even direct traffic. But you, <laughs> you, you know, you, I see in you, I don't know how you direct. I've never worked with you, but I see your work. And I could tell a good director, I always tell Jimmy, when we go to films, I say the director sucks. Look what he's doing yeah. to this actor. He's put blindfolders on the actor or he's yeah. got the actor not doing what the actor could do best. And yeah. I get angry. I get really furious. Yeah. I like a director that would say to me, Ron, Give me all you've got because I have a lot to give. Yeah, and yeah. If, if you hold me back, you're going to get a half a performance. And what's worse than a half a performance? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think the trick with directing is, is most of the time you want to get out of your own way. You want to trust that you cast the proper cast and that they know their parts and they know what they're doing. And, 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 and if they have a soft take or two takes, let them be. They know. You don't have to get on people. They know. And every now and then they may, you know, uh, step off and, and, and not, have, uh, not have it. And you have to guide them back in. But it should always be gently and, 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 and the big picture of it should be uh, very obvious. Well, what I like to tell a director when I'm working is I'm old school. I'm around for 58 years doing film. I investigate my character. I find out who my character is. I make my character almost human. My character lives in this house with this furniture. He does this. He's married to this woman. He's got these children. I actually create that person. Yeah. And I tell this to the director, do you like who I've invented, who I've created? And then they'll say to me, well, maybe he shouldn't be so sweet. He shouldn't be, maybe he should be a little meaner. And mm. then we both together cultivate the character. Yeah. It's called character development. Yep. That is something they don't do today in acting. They read lines, and I think that sucks. Yeah. Reading lines, anybody could do. That's not an actor. You no, must become the character. What do you think yep. about that, my bearded love? Which which beard? Which beard? Which beard? My beard? Yeah, uh, I, I can tell you a, a little Jan, bit about... I'm talking about Jan. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you a little about our, our uh, working relationship, me and, uh, and Harley. Um, uh, I, I really like the way he approaches, and, and I agree with you on all your points. As, uh, that he is that kind of director, actually. He actually come, you know, obviously, I come in as prepared as I want, but we also, before I come on set, me and Harley have had several conversations uh, from the first time I read the script. He wants to get my notes, he wants to see what I feel about the character. Uh, we discuss the character. Sometimes we have exactly the same idea. Sometimes he, you know, he sees it a little different way. So then I know very early that to 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 not push that particular part of the character uh, as much as the the part that he he sees more, uh, but all within the parameters of my own creative uh, uh, inspiration. Uh, he lets you basically shape and mold it. Uh, uh, to to some extent, for example, on Eternal Code, I had an idea of one specific scene, and I said to Harley, uh, "I think this is going to be quite emotional, 
And he said, well, let's try it. I don't see it that way right now, but let's try it. So we, we tried a couple of takes the way he saw it. And we tried a couple of takes, a little more emotional. And I think the final cut, we ended up somewhere in the middle. Yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, it's nice which, to be able to talk to him, though. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. he's a very good actor's director, in my opinion. And I work with a few. I mean, I work with a lot of directors, but I work with a few that are very dear to my heart that really takes consideration of who you are as a person uh, besides only your character. Uh, I mean, I can mention like Wes Craven, Chuck Russell, uh, uh, Mark Pellington. I mean, they big, all big. They, they all go from your heart and see who are you and how can you bring yourself into this character the way I see the character. I think that's a, that's a, 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 pl- a major uh, uh, personality trait that Harley does have as a director, which I've well, I you know, truly appreciate. Not not to blow smoke up or make a bullshit statement. Holly's films, to me, show something that no other films show. There's a quality of professionalism in the film. If the budget were 45, 50, 100, 200 million dollars, the film would be far better than what it is. But for the budgets that you guys work with and the quality of work that Holly delivers, I would say that Holly is probably now the number one director in his field. I, I think you are, Harley. I really mean it. There's a quality in your films that nobody else has. Thank it's you. you. You bring it to light. I know your wife, who's a good actress, who I saw in two films already. Uh, we talked about you, and she said the same thing that Jan just said. You've got to work. It's a team. Yeah. Nobody oh, on yeah. set is a star. We are a team. Yeah. The director is equal to the littlest actor. The extra is just as important as the director. Amen. Because without the extra, you don't have what you need. So we all have to work as a team in, in, in sync. We don't have any uh, high and mighty superior directors that think who the fuck they are. And they say, I want it my way. That's how it was. It's, that's how yeah, it's written. Yeah, no, well, then it's, do yeah. it yourself. You yeah. know. I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I think the key thing when it comes to, to understanding directing is uh, think about a puzzle. Uh, you know, the, the, you're laying a puzzle and, and, and that means that you, ha- you have to have all the pieces and, and the director's just one piece. There's no bigger or smaller piece than anybody else, but the director controls that red herring that goes through the script that has to be adhered to so that the story stays uh, solid and remains. And it's, it's, when you listen to the greats, when you listen to Scorsese and, and all these people, they understand all this. They understand that casting is done that way. Uh, you know, when Tarantino says 90% of directing is, uh, is, is casting all these things, you should, you should listen and, and try to not reinvent the wheel, learn from the greats and then exactly. add whatever it is that you personally bring that maybe is different from anybody else. When I was 19, I was in a film with Sophia Loren and Tab Hunter called oh, that kind of Sophia woman. Lord. Yeah, wow. and I was, uh, I was, we were all directed by Sidney Lomet. And I watched Sidney work with Sophia and Tab, you know, in other scenes. And yeah. the way he directed Sophia was difficult because Sophia was very uncomfortable working with Tab Hunter. She mm. felt she needed an older man that Tab Hunter, mm. as the romantic interest, was too young. So she okay. was self-conscious self of her being so womanly with Tab. And yeah. Sid- Sidney just said to her, just remember, 
Think like a teenager, he said. You're a little young girl. Picture yourself back in Italy in Paluzzo, where you came from, and this is mm-hmm. a big movie star. And she did, and they got the yeah. shot. Yeah. Now, I just worked with Judith Chapman. You know Judith Chapman, the soap opera queen? Yeah, I know. The, yeah. Judith Chapman has been around for 100 years in every soap yep. opera. And she directed me. Let me tell you, boy, what a thrill it was to be directed by a director who worked old school. She kept saying to me, Ron, I want this. I want that. I like this. Let's lose that. How about you keep this? We got it in three shots. Perfect in three shots because we talked it over before the shot. Today, there's no time. We only have 10 days to shoot. Everybody yeah. places, let's go, read your lines, let's go, okay, next, who, who, and then who the fuck is doing what to who? I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. It's too fast. It's a, you can't, you got to develop and work a character. That's why yeah. Jan is a good actor, because Jan is what you call an introverted actor. He's not an extroverted actor. When Jan works, he works inly, inwardly, and you feel what he projects. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, I'm an outward actor. When I work, it's I throw it out at you. You get a vomit from it or love it. One of the two. But Jan keeps it. Jan, keep, no, Jan keeps it in, and he sort of projects it. Same thing with Sadie Katz, who I love and adore. I've worked with Sadie Katz. Sadie mm-hmm. Katz, she knows how to contain it, and slowly she just lets it go out. Mm-hmm. I think there's some fabulous talent out there. Of course, my Lorene Landon is a... Which a we're ch- going to talk about her because she's Wait in this a minute. film. Yeah. I, I saw her in Churchill's film. She washed her face completely, not a drop of makeup. She played this disgusting, horrific, white trash, loudmouth, drugged up bitch of a wife. Now, those of you that know Lorene know she's the sweetest, quietest, <laughs> most gentle dove when I saw her on film, I said, wow, where the hell did she pull that out of her ass? I mean, look at, look at her. She's a wicked, horrible woman. She's an actress. That's an yes. actor. So hold Absolutely. on. I want to go. First of all, first of all, I want to go to Jan for a minute because I feel bad. Jan, and, and this, is the last, this is the last time I'm ever going to like ask you this. What is your wife's name? Is it Victoria? Yes, it is. It's Victoria. Okay. We yeah. always talk about... Why did you ask me? I knew it. Uh, oh, I don't know. Well, you said Jan's wife, Jan's wife. You didn't say Victoria, so I thought maybe you didn't... Well, <laughs> that, that's, that's, I don't know her that or well to be there's more that. than one. So uh, hold on. So wait, first, I don't know her that well to be that familiar. So uh, I want to say hello to Victoria because we talk about her all the time and we always refer to her as Jan's wife, which is incredibly rude. Victoria, we no, love you. No, it's not. She's fabulous. incredibly talented. Yes, um, she's fabulous and we love her to death. So number one, I want to say hi to that. Number two then. So we've got this new film. Uh, it's Agramon's gate. It's having a premiere next Friday. Is it next Friday? Yep. Yes. Next Friday at the Lumiere music hall in Beverly Hills. The name of the film is called Agramon's gate. It's a horror mystery thriller. Um, it's also coming on demand February 11th. It stars Jan Birch. Harley Wallen, Katie Wallen, uh, Lorene Landon. And I always mention Calhoun Koenig because she's in all your films. And every film that she's in, she gets better and better and better. Like yeah. you're turning her into like a superstar. Yeah, she um, did fantastic. Uh, she had a really nice guest star appearance on Law & Order. Uh, that uh, Anybody who hasn't seen that should look up that episode. She did really, really well. Uh, and, and then she's definitely on her way. Uh, she was just on a list of... Uh, a top 40 Asian actors to look for uh, on IMDb. And she was one of them. And, 
and uh, absolutely deserves that. She uh, she works her craft. She's very diligent about her her studies, and and uh, I think you know when you put the work into it, the results will show. And that's how it is for for all these people. When you really dig into your character, and like uh, like you said, Ron, when you become, uh, you just can't take your eyes off of that when that's on screen. It's impossible. So here's what everybody needs to do. And and research your character. Every actor out there, go and research your character. And please, if you're going to use a Brooklyn accent, learn it. Do not do those horrible Brooklyn accents. I'm from Brooklyn. My accent's natural. They hire me always to play a gangster from Brooklyn because I can do it well. So on one set, on a movie I won't mention, the guy there said, I don't have a Brooklyn accent. I said, no, but you're supposed to be a gangster. Let me teach you how to talk like a gangster. Well, I was going to kill myself because it came out like Shakespeare. <laughs> you know, like over there, over, over, over there, you can get the gun and you can rob the bank. You know what I'm talking about? And he would say, over there, you get the gun and I know what you're talking about. I said, no, that's, <laughs> that's fucking Shakespeare. So hold on, I want to go back though. So okay, so you guys, the film is Agamon's Gate. If you go to YouTube, you guys, and plug it in, or just Google Agamon's Gate, it comes up because there's write-ups for it everywhere. It's winning all kinds of awards. That's crazy. In the film, you have to watch the trailer. You guys, go to YouTube. It's A G R A M O N S G A T. Better still buy the film. Screw the trailer. Not out yet. It's not out yet. <laughs> when it comes out. I know, but everybody needs to see the trailer because, first of all, you need to see Harley, first of all, because Harley doesn't look oh, like a, this Harley. Harley does not look like look. this Harley. <laughs> He's got scars all over his face and a big blind eye. And Jan, I guess Jan is Agramon. Are you Agramon? Um, not, not to the same extent, to the same energy of, of, of a demon. But, okay, but, so. but Bill, by who, who Calcun is, is actually... Facing Agamon, I'm you know I, I'm basically Agamon going into a, a, a dead father's body more or less. I have and no you idea. Wait, see you. I have no idea who Agamon is. Tell our audience they're as stupid as I am. Maybe it's who's Agamon? Demon is the demon of fear. So essentially, what happens is the demon shows up and then it spooks you and scares you, and it gets stronger until it can manifest and then it can physically do you harm. Uh, so that's how it works. So Agramon is the demon of fear, and uh, and that's kind of how it operates by strengthening off of those fears. So Agramon opens his gate, obviously. No, they they okay. Here's the thing. How, what is the gate? Agramon's gate. They open up Agamon's gate, you guys, and in it, you guys got to see Lorene in the trailer. She doesn't have makeup oh, God, on in this one so either. And she she's is so fabulous. good. I love and adore her personally. She's one of my dearest and closest friends in the world. I, I'm crazy about her. Um, and you have to see Jan, you guys, in the trailer because Jan is yeah. like a demon with the red eyes and like, oh, like he looks. <laughs> it's so funny to me because you always get cast to play like the really scary, like creepy people, and in real life you're like a like a supermodel kind of like guy that should well, like so far from all these roles <laughs> hey, that you Jimmy, get cast. Jimmy. As Alfred Hitchcock said, it's called acting. I know it's called acting, but <laughs> like, I, I, ran, I Googled Jan Birch today, and he basically, like, all this stuff comes up about how, like, he got cast in all these things because of his charming good looks and everything. And now he's, like, the charming good look guy killing, going around killing and mauling <laughs> well, and maiming everybody. <laughs> he's, got, he's got that exotic European way about him with a little bit of an accent and the look. His face looks very uh, Swedish or Norwegian. And then with the beard, it it, it works so well that he's piercing. When you have piercing features, you could frighten people. You know, Betty Davis used to say that about Captain Hepburn. She used to say, because uh, I knew Betty well, she'd say Captain Hepburn had the features that everybody 
would see. She said, when I was on camera, all they saw were my eyes because she had no features. She used to say, I look like I got hit in the face with a frying pan. <laughs> and I said, Betty, I used to say, Betty, not really. You were very beautiful. And she'd say, of course I was, darling. Of course I was. Well, <laughs> I, I've been very fortunate with, uh, with, uh, with the look. And, 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 and the, the, the fact that these movies really work, I think, I mean, I like to do them a lot, too. We all have a dark side, obviously. Uh, I mean, I do anyway. It's uh, an outlet. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the first feature film I ever did in the U.S., I went to see Roger Corman, and I went up to his uh, office, his old office in Concord here in, in, in Brentwood. And, and uh, what he did, he had this woman take a picture close up on my face, and they blocked everything out except my eyes. And then, and then he called everybody in, and they just looked. And there was a huge screen with just my eyes on it, and he said, I think we got the guy. They got it. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could play something evil. I'm I'm making I think what I got I got four or five movies coming up this year okay, and every one of them I'm playing a mob boss. Now you're playing a policeman. I'm playing a cop. Oh, big deal! That's the same thing as a mob boss. You know what difference? I want to play something horrible. I want to be like a vampire or something. I've never ever played that in my life. I played a minister. I what else? a priest all the time. Hang on though, because ask so Harley, you do and you do a whole bunch of different kinds of things because you've got comedies, you've got Bennett's yeah. song, and you've got the new Bennett's song. But a lot of your action movies, you seem to play like a Russian. I don't know if it's Russian. They're like a Russian mobster kind of person in a lot of your films. Yeah, you know, and you write those roles, so you write that for yourself. He's another one that gets cast as Russian mobster. But mafia. he casts himself that way. Yeah, but he's good at it. When I saw him <laughs> with the one with the slaves, what was that? Oh, that that's right. Yeah, Betrayed. Betrayed. You were great. Thank you. Yeah, that one, uh, that one to me, we did an awful lot of research. I, I, I remember I sat in, a, in my church and they were talking about how prevalent trafficking is. And I was like... Oh, I thought trafficking was over there, kind of thing, and uh, and when you realize that it's right here and right around us in our backyards, uh, you know this the school the school that your kids go to had somebody taken from there, whatever the mall that you go to had somebody grabbed there. I think it's it's something that that just jumped on me that I I have to show and put this in our backyard because people need to realize how close this stuff is. And and I and I don't know how to make a documentary well, so I figure I'll scare the bejesus out of people and make a, <laughs> a film about it. But uh, I mean, these things that pop into my head are generally things that actually affect me to begin with. Yeah, well, your film was well uh, well received. Yeah, as as a film about uh, kidnapping and and stealing children and locking them in cages and brutality of what goes on, so yeah. that was that was a message but, but, better, better than a document. Hang on, go back though, because like because you you you're writing these films and then you're playing a lot of the the, the that. That's a recurring character that you see because you're really good at it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. do you do that on purpose where you're like writing that role? To, are you trying to build a, a name for that character? Or that's just once because you're in so many things, it doesn't matter because you make like 50 films in a year. <laughs> uh, no, I, actually, I've only played, uh, I've only written one role where I play a Russian and that was in Betrayed. Uh, and, 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 I, and I did absolutely enjoyed that. Uh, somebody cast me as, uh, as a Russian mob boss in a film that never got completed. And that's kind of where I had that still in me. I wanted, I wanted to see what that could have been. So that's how he came about, uh, Mikhail at the time. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, you know, normally 
for instance, with the turn of, well, let's talk about Agramont's Gate since that's kind of the, the topic of the hour. Uh, the role that I play was originally supposed to have been Billy Worth. Billy was filming. He was doing the TV show with Forrest Whitaker. We couldn't figure out the schedules. And that ended up being the role that I said, you know what? I can shoulder that. Uh, and I had to kind of reconfigure who Zeb was from scratch because I've gone now for like six months imagining Zeb as Billy. And, and I'm not Billy. I can't do Billy so I had to completely change that character up and, and, and kind of just reconfigure him. Uh, so that's where the original outlet came. And I, I, I made up this character in the last three, four weeks. I wasn't even sure about the look and feel of this character uh, up until two weeks before we started shooting. Oh, wow. Okay. Boy, you sound went off. Uh, I think we lost him. I know. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm excited about it. I'm, you got listen, you got to hear this now. This is going to sound weird. Remember Clown Motel that we all thought was a bomb and a terrible film? <laughs> and everybody walked out of the premiere saying, oh, my God, what a piece of shit. Well, all over the world, it's making the most money. It's been it's won many, many awards. And my friend Joseph Kelly, who did it, is doing another one called Clown Motel 2. And I'm so happy they invited me in to play an admiral. So that's a change of pace for me. But I will research that character and find a depth to it. People think I'm nuts doing that. But I will make that admiral real. So mm -hmm. not me. I don't want to be me. I want them to look at it, not see yeah. Ron. I want mm -hmm. them to see the admiral. That's the thing I'm pushing the most for all of you actors out there. You girls with the big tits and the great asses, that doesn't go too far. That's good for, like, get laid films. But if you want to really work in an honest film. A good film like a Harley film. Yeah, don't show your ass and your tits too much. Show people who you are as an actor because tits and ass doesn't go very far. And everybody's got them nowadays. You could buy them. So don't be so proud of them. Well, we're just getting started on a TV series called Tale of Tales. Uh, so anybody, if, if you are an actress and you do have the, 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 the TNA, um, feel free to submit. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I, I find very uh, interesting with the two of you now, I think that Agamon's Gate is your third film together, right? Because you did Betrayed? Just, just yes, Betrayed, Eternal Code, and, uh, and Agamon's, yes. Okay, and now so and now you've got this one. So it's got your third one. Um, uh, the the premiere it's not open right to the public. It's just it's for for people that you invite, right? Yeah, it's an yes. invite only. Uh, and and I just found out. I believe Joe was able to upgrade our theater because we were we ran out of space, and I believe he just got us upgraded to the next size and switched us because another uh, another film uh, didn't quite have the crowd. So. So we have a couple extra seats right now. So if you have a, a good friend or something, let me know. And I, I'm sure I can get a, a friend or two in. There you go. Okay. So everybody, this is movie's going to be coming out on February 11th. It's called Agamon's Gate. So how did you guys meet together to, to do the very Wait, first can film? I, can I ask oh, a, go ahead. I, I want to ask a question before you go to that stuff. Okay. Harley. <laughs> Harley. Yeah. Why is it? None of you guys, and I mean you, Churchill, and, and Mark, uh, I mean uh, Marcel Waltz, <laughs> all of you who I think are great, great people, are not doing a comedy. What has happened to comedy? He what? does. He does. I haven't ever seen Harley in a comedy. Have you? Uh, Bennett's song, I would say, uh, was a dramedy. 
Yes. No, I'm talking about a real comedy. Why is it that no one does a comedy anymore? Do you, don't you remember uh, George Hamilton in uh, when Love at First Bite? Love at First yeah. Bite. I thought that was a delightfully stupid film, and I enjoyed it. Why don't yeah. one of you guys do a film like that? A high camp horror movie. That's really funny. <laughs> I have. I actually have a uh, a really funny script. Um, I, I did a short film as an actor uh, uh, that was really, really funny. And it had that satire, dark, uh, comedic touch to it. And I actually, I optioned that the script, I told them to write a feature script and optioned it. Uh, when I talked to all my distributors, they say, careful, 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 comedy doesn't travel. Uh, so I'm sitting on the script, but I'm really aiming for next year. I figure I have to build my brand so that I have enough of an audience uh, between U.S. and Canada that that the success can be done here uh, so that we don't have to worry so much about, you know, uh, if they get our humor in, in Germany or, or, in, or in Mexico. Because that's the thing. You look at Eternal Code and, and Betrayed and, and Agramon's Gate. They sell like hotcakes to all kinds of foreign countries. Betrayed is now in 23 countries. Eternal Code is already at like 14 or 15 the uh, Agrimon's Gate pre-sold to like seven before it was even on the market. Uh, uh, so, so the nice thing about this is we're all scared of the same stuff. The boogeyman is scary no matter where you are. That's but true. Yeah, but you know that that's not true. That comedy doesn't travel because a clown motel two was originally supposed to be a horror movie. Now it's called the highest camp movie, hysterically funny comedy. But it didn't start that way. No, but now it is. And Joe Kelly is thrilled with it because he loves the idea that it's high camp funny. It's selling like crazy. You can't get it in Walmart anywhere. It's. I think this year it's going to sell more videos than anyone has done in the business because people that watch it love it. They go hysterical. They goof on it. They it's just too campy for words. Mm -hmm. And I think we need a little more of that nowadays in the world of... What about just regular comedy? Why does it have to be horror comedy? What kind well, any kind of comedy. Like Bennett's yeah. Song is a family movie, right? It was a family movie about um, a, a guy, a family who has a bunch of chill, children. Let me tell you yeah. a quick story. When I was, hang on, hang on. When I was yeah. hired to do Circus Road, which has been changed to Clown Feared, Min found me in the lobby of one of those premieres. It was his, his premiere. Yeah, your premiere. Min, <laughs> Min, Min found me. At Betrayed. And Min said, you yeah. are so funny. You are a hysterical guy. You're up there. You're out there. You're wild. You're wonderful. You've got to play our minister who's gay. And I said, fine, it's an easy catch for me. Well, when I went on the set, he said, no gay, no comedy, nothing. I want you to be straight, serious, a minister, like boring. And I said, what the fuck did you hire me for? You could have got anybody to play the minister. There's, no, there's nothing here for me. Mm -hmm. So you see, I don't get it. I don't understand. I think it had a lot to do with Lionsgate. Because if Lionsgate handles your film, they sort of take it over. They don't want this kind of vulgarity. They don't want homosexuality. They don't want anything. So I think Lionsgate is, is a trouble with film. I think they put a cap on films. And Lionsgate should mind their fucking business and just go and do whatever the <laughs> fuck they do. <laughs> <laughs> and let directors and producers and writers do their thing. You know, even on Church's film, The Big Friggin' Rat, uh, it was a nightmare on that production because we couldn't curse, we couldn't have fun, we couldn't talk because Lionsgate was there. They don't allow this, they don't allow that. I said, what the fuck am I, in a concentration camp or on a movie set? 
I hated it. I hated working on that film with such a passion. You have no idea. It was the biggest mistake of my life. So Lionsgate, now I run from them a little bit. I mean, I know you guys are stuck with them because they're your distributors. No, that's not. Uh, nah, he doesn't get distributed through Lionsgate. Yeah, actually, I haven't had Lionsgate as a distributor. Good for I you. I pay attention to everything you got going, Harley. Good for cause, you. Because like you, you're you're like the model that everybody should be actually like paying attention to. Someone who puts out a quality product, uh, gets his films financed. You get really good casts. You know, everybody knows the people that are the, the people that are the stars of your. And cast. that's why your films are good because Lionsgate's not there telling you what to do. <laughs> so also too, one thing that I don't know if everybody knows, but did you guys know that Jan, besides doing all these great movies, that Jan used to be a soapy. Go away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go away. I Another? was Googling Jan, and Jan was a soapy. He was on Santa Barbara, and he was on Young and the Restless. Oh my, did you know? We know everybody from Young and the Restless. Yeah, I was. I was on there. Every one of our close dear friends, from Judith Chapman to Sean Kanan to Tristan Rogers, down to... And all on uh, Young and the Restless. All, all of them are our best <laughs> friends. Every single soap opera star are our very dearest and best friends. And now we have you. I didn't know you were soapy. I didn't know you were soapy either. Like how yeah, was I actually I, I I didn't play the normal soap character on Santa Barbara. I was a, a German terrorist that moved into the city <laughs> to the city. And I was in there for like you know whole season almost blowing things up. And I I was like the the devil's advocate of, of the devil's advocate of the of the nice society that lived there. <laughs> Um, Young and the Restless, a little better, actually. Swedish masseurs that have a relationship with one of the female leads. Uh, behind her husband's back, really. Who was the star at the Young and Restless, then? Was it any of our friends? Uh, you know what? I'm sorry, but I do not even recall what... Uh, uh, who, who was uh, the, the girl I was uh, playing with, she was only like 18 or 20 at that point, but she's she's uh, she's been in a lot now. I can't, I can't recall the name right off the bat here, but... Uh, no, no, those decades are a little blurry. It's so cool that you yeah. were. A, yeah, those yeah. days are a little blurry. It was oh, in the 90s. I think, early I, think 90s. Judith, I think Judith Chapman was around on the Young and Wrestlers, wasn't she? Judith Chapman, yes, yeah, she's on Young and Wrestlers. She was the, I, I bet she was the star when you were working, Judith Chapman. A very good, dear, close friend. Yeah, of mine. most likely. Yeah, and I. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I remember the faces I worked with. I can't tell you. I'm bad with names. I yeah. love it. So, okay, so let's go back to what I wanted to ask before. So when you yeah. guys, because you guys have been now in three movies together, which I'm going to promote them all real quick. You guys should get these films. Uh, according to Harley, a lot of these films are in a bunch of countries. Are, are your films in Germany? Because there's somebody in Germany in the chat room who wants to see your films. I don't think we have Germany yet because I know the ones that we had to send out for dubbing was France and Mexico so far. And I know Germany is a dubbing country, so... I would say no. No. Okay. So anyway, Eternal Code, Betrayed, and now Agamon's Gate that's coming out on February 11th are three films you guys have worked together on. So how did you guys actually like hook up? I guess, Harley, you would have had to find Jan because you were it was your film. Yeah, no, we have a, a mutual friend uh, that, that I was talking to, and I said, you know, uh, I'm looking to find, because, uh, you know, especially in the independent uh, world, you know, you're, you're flipping every every dime 15 times and you're trying to find, you know, the cast without going directly to an agent yes. so that you can get them excited and get them on your side. So I said, you know, I, uh, she had a couple of people that she that she uh, that she uh, uh, got me in contact with. And and then she goes, oh, my God, you know who I have to get you in contact with? I got to get you in contact with Jan. And I'm like, Jan, this kind of rings a bell. And she's like, yeah, Jan Birch. And I'm like, oh, wow. 
and I'm, I'm a big fan of the people under the stairs. And, me and, too. And, and bless the child. <laughs> uh, huge fan. So for me to see, to, to, to get a hold of him, and then there's a trust factor too. Um, Swedish people are, are generally known for being good and, and, and generous and open-handed and caring and, and, uh, and, and that integrity piece. Uh, so, so I think we, we just became friends like right out of the gate. And I, I was saying this, it would be weird for me now if I have a role that fits Jan, Jan gets the role. There's just not, there's no argument. There's no doubt about it. I know he's going to uh, dedicate himself. I know he's going to lay down an amazing performance. I know everything I'm getting with Jan. Uh, to me, we're so close that it's not, it doesn't even enter my head. If there's a role for Jan, Jan gets the role. That's the now, you know they're what, both Swedish. You know what this reminds me of what you're doing? Years ago, we had Warner Brothers, MGM. They had a system. They had a family of actors. It was their own st stable. They had the same actors in all their films. And you seem to be doing that now. And Churchill seems to be doing that also. Having a bevy of actors that you use all the time in all of your films. If they fit. If they fit. Yeah. And that's very good because it gives these actors a chance to grow, groom, and get better. And make your films better. So I kind of like that idea of a family affair. Like Warner Brothers. If you yeah, know anything yeah. about the old system in America. Yeah, you're like a miniature Warner Brothers. How cool is that? Well, yeah, that, that, thing, right? that, that's how it was in the old system years ago. It was a family. Uh, yeah, no, that's it. Uh, I agree 100%. I mean, I, when, I, when I started working with Harley, actually, before we even worked together, when we, we, the first time we met, we, uh, I, I, I came in, I flew in, I went to the hotel, uh, and then we went out to have dinner to chat, to get to know each other a little bit. And I, and I told him right off the bat, I said, you know, Harley, you know how long I, I waited for, for, to work with a director that I feel really close to? And I'm like, we just met. And I'm like, I think you might be the guy. I'm like, I really, let, let's, you know, I, I feel like we might have a very long relationship because I, I, hit, him off, I hit it off right away with his, with his personality, his character, and, and what he told me about the role. I'm like, this guy knows what he's doing. I'm like... This 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 feels really really good and and so far so so very good I am I must say I'm very happy what we've done together I'm very happy with the response of of uh, how I play the characters and his directing and and this Agamemnon's Gate this movie I have to say a couple of things here uh, from the first day I read the script I said to Harley this is something extraordinary this is gonna if if they blow this out if you get the right distributor this could be the sleeper hit of the year I mean this I said yeah. you got all the elements in there and and I think I said you know we this is going to be special and well, and that, I think that, we that, you actually succeeded with it now let's go one step further granted Harley's directing is fabulous your acting is wonderful and you're shooting all of this glorious I didn't film. get fabulous what's happening wait a second <laughs> you fabulous. wait a second <laughs> This is this is a serious this is a serious note I'm making. Everything has been shot beautifully, and then some son of a bitch starts to edit, and he doesn't think your performance is good, so he minimalizes yours, and he chops up Harley, and you turn out a piece of shit for a movie when in fact you shot a genius of a film. This is the thing that I'm pissed off about most. But Harley, don't you edit? Do you edit your own film so you know what? You or no. uh, well, I, I don't physically edit, but but listen, the, 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 there's no such thing as the editor's fault. If you're a director on a film, you will start by directing your production team, and then you will direct your cast and crew, and then you will direct your editor. 
there's no such thing as a film coming out without passing through the gates of the director. Not true. So if they, if Not they true. cut, uh, if they cut it up bad, I will fix it. There's no way that's going to okay. happen. I just saw and a I'm movie. I've taken films from editors, by the way, who didn't do what I wanted done. I, I just saw a film recently. <laughs> I won't name it. That made no sense. And I said to Jimmy, this film has been chopped so badly that they've lost the whole meaning in the characters. Now, I spoke to one of the actors, and one of the actors is very upset because the role that they portrayed was cut out to the point where yeah. the, the character made no sense even being in the fucking film. They should have cut the character out completely. And this is something that disturbs me because the performance, of, I can't give you names, but Not the performance of... The performance of this actor was so outstanding. This actor should have been throughout the entire film and was Actually, not. I have a question then for you, Harley, because I hear what you're saying as the director. Um, and I know because I've seen a lot of indie films that, that has this, the problem that Ron is talking about. And a lot yeah. of time, the, pe the people who finance the film somehow are getting a final say in, in how it gets edited and the director is not. Is that something that... They should be nipping in the bud. Wait a second. Yeah, also, you got to negotiate this to begin with. Ahead of time. First, first of all, a couple of things. I make my film an LLC that I own. Got they it, yes. don't own the film. Yeah, but that's okay. Have, Wait. Yeah, this is they don't have any say in the creative part of it. They are investors. If you invest in Volvo... You don't get to talk about how the fuck they make a Volvo. Right. You're right. right? Okay. So same but thing with it, my films. Now, some people, unfortunately, to get the money, they have to concede a bunch of things. Uh, I know a film that me and Jan actually went to see a screening of at AFM. Uh, the executive producers ended up at the end of the day taking over the product, sending it to a whole different editor. And, and that film, Jan, made no sense. Did that At make all. sense? None. Same no. kind okay. of thing. You took, I think you we're talking about the same film. <laughs> well, we can't talk about it. <laughs> no. Yeah, we might be talking about the same film. <laughs> I think so. You know what? You know what? Here's what I hear. The director of that film, by the way, is also upset because his directing and his final director's cut was thrown to the wind. Here's what happens. You get some young nothing, untalented piece of ass who, ha who married some old John with tons of dough. And she comes to you and she says, I want to make a movie, but I'm going to produce it. And I want the final cut. Then at the end of the film, she cuts everybody out of the film and makes it her audition. This is what I'm talking about. This kind of shit. I've turned down count. three of those. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, that happens in the independent market, but it also it happens a lot more in the studio system, obviously, because I've been, I've been a victim of that in the studio system where, where uh, no names mentioned, no titles mentioned, and Holly knows the story, but this is a really, really, really big director, and it was one of the biggest studios, and he called me, and, and we cried together, basically, because we've been talking about what's my role, and we worked together for two, five months on this movie in oh, Canada wow. and the U.S., and, and he actually, when he, he said, hey, they tested it in the Bible Belt, uh, and you look too much like Jesus. Uh, that's all I'm going to say on that <laughs> aspect. And they said, the studio, uh, you know, they they just going to chop you up. Somebody that's... in the chat room said you look like Jesus, too. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now with the halo. Not you with the halo behind you. <laughs> the halo behind you. You know what? I well, wait, wait, till you, wait till you see Agramon's gates. 
We can't wait. I can't wait. I really can't wait because I I really enjoy your films. But I firmly believe politics have no place in film. Film is about fantasy. Film is about fun. Film is not about the president or the the new president or the old or who's a Democrat, who's a Republican. And none of that shit should be in the film or at the Academy Awards. Our business, and I'm in this business 58 years, so I can talk. No, no, 61. You have to quit saying 58. I mean, it's 61. <laughs> we just looked it up the other day, his first film. It's 61. Okay, I'm, I'm in this business 61 years, and I've watched this business decay and fall apart, rebuild, decay, and fall apart. TV came along, it fell apart, then it got better. So I've watched Hollywood uh, ascend and descend. And I'll tell you the reason it does is because it lets trend in. Whatever the trend is, they fall for it. They produce it. Like right now, Asians are in, so they win awards because it's politically correct to be kind to the Asians. A few years ago, it was the blacks. Let's be kind to the blacks. And then for a period of time, it was the gays. Hollywood has got to stop this shit with kissing ass of groups of people who are fighting to be equal with everybody else. Hollywood is not the place for it. Hollywood is only for movies, for fantasy, for enjoyment. And this is what has ruined Hollywood periodically over the decades and I have seen it. When the hippies were in, we did hippies. When this one was in, we did that one. And that's not what it's all about. It's not a political it's entertainment. It's about entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And you are you are entertaining. You guys make entertaining films. Um, well there's no politics only the thing with the slaves and I agree with those politics because that was helping humanity. But um other than that I don't care for it. And I think these people that want to be in the business that have no fucking talent, stay out of our fucking business. We don't need you in our fucking business. Just put put a pair of rubber hits in and you had your ass pumped up. Don't think you're going to be Charlize Theron, okay? You're you're nothing but a sleazy slut with a clit cover for a skirt and you look like trash at all these fucking open... They look like like bad... (laughs) No job always to me. They don't look like actresses. Actresses were Grace Kelly, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis. All those great actresses. They didn't show tits, ass, and pussy to get where they got. They got talent. They were actors and actresses. So all of you stupid kids and you guys out there that are 22 years old and hit hit on me, you ain't going anywhere with me because I'm not interested in you and I have no clout. So save your dicks for somebody else. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and you're gonna. Uh, one, At one least we know that Lionsgate is not owning this show. One guy said to me, I'm not, 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 "Wait, one guy said to me, I'm not heterosexual and I'm not bisexual. I'm trisexual." I said, "What the hell is trisexual?" He said, "I'll try anything once." So I said, "Oh, go, go ask that guy over there. <laughs> He's into trisexual too." And I sent him to Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Quick, everybody. First of all, you guys, Harley and Jan are in social media. You can follow Harley. He's at Harley the Swede. Um, Is that what your Instagram is, too, Harley the Swede? No, that one is official Harley Wallen. Official Harley Wallen on Twitter. He's Harley the Swede. Jan is Jan Birch. He's easy to find. Where's Lorraine? Um, No, she may be coming in a little bit. Um, uh, So so you guys, listen up. You want to watch Agamon's Gate. It's going to come out on demand February 11th. 
I can't. And we're going to see it before all of you guys because we're going to the premiere. And on I know Friday. I'm going to enjoy it, and I know I'm going to like it ahead of time. If I, if I don't, I will tell you the truth. Uh, let's also do a commercial real quick. So you guys, uh, if you want to meet Harley Wallen and Jan Birch in person. Um, they're going to be part of our entertainment guests at the Sue Wong uh, Academy Gala. And uh, they're going to be coming along with uh, their beautiful wives that are super talented also. Um, you guys can go to – what's the what's the thing for it? It's uh, I wrote it down. Uh, SueWongAcademyGala.com. It's an Oscar viewing party. It's on February 9th in L.A. on Vine Street. Uh, like I said, again, you can go to SueWongAcademyGala.com. Some of the people that are going to be coming along with Jan Birch – and Ron and I and Eileen Shapiro and Harley Wallen, we've got... Um, Where are we going? To, uh, huh? Where are we going? Where are we going? We're going to the Sue Wong Academy Gala. Like, I did love the name Susie Wong. I love it. Remember so the movie that Susie Wong Sadie did? Sadie Katz is going to be there. Ian Buchanan from General Hospital and all those different... Devaney Penn, Everybody. Tom Churchill, uh, Miles Reef, two-time Daniel Emmy DeCicchio. winner. Daniel DeCrisio, we've got Chris Browning from a bunch of films, Sarah French, Marcel Walsh, Sherry Davis, um, CeCe Hendricks is coming, Tawny Katane, you guys, if you guys remember I, Tawny Katane from all the Whitesnake videos back in the day. Uh, she, yeah. I got to tell you half of those names, I adore the people. They're my family, and I'm so happy that they appreciate me, the no bag. You know, usually I'm going to be 80 in May, and people my age are cast aside because we're thought of as being narrow-minded, stupid, ignorant fucked up people because of where we came from a hundred years ago. But all these young people love me and I love them back and they're, they're just the best crew. And sometimes I say, gee, I wish I were 40 again, just so I could work 30, 40 years with them because they're all sweet people. Good girls. That's Sarah. Yeah, I, like, I like to be forties too. No, really? Sarah French is an outstanding <laughs> actress. You know, when Jimmy and I were driving in to see Blind, Marcel Waltz's film, I said to Jimmy, another piece of shit. We got to drive 200, out, 200 miles. And Sarah French, I love her, but all she is is tits and ass. In every film, she's getting laid or getting felt up. I mean, how can she carry a movie? It's not possible. Ten minutes into the film, I turned to Jimmy. I said, my God, she's a great actress. I am so happy for Sarah French. She did a performance in mind that was so fabulous. To me, it was the best movie I've seen all year long. I love the storyline. I love the way Marcel did it. It's, it's a great movie. Have you guys seen Blind? I, no, I went not. to the premiere with you. Yeah. You went with me? No, I saw you there. Yes. <laughs> and, and I loved the film. I really loved it because it, it was what an interesting story about. I don't want to give it away, but the plot was good. What I liked most about Sarah's performance was that she wasn't acting. She was portraying. She was she was the character. And I thought she did. She won more awards for that film, my friend. you got to see all the awards she's won. Anyway, so, so Sarah French is a new do. up. And Sadie Katz, of course, is a. They all know Sadie. Actually, yeah. you, we got to remember that Harley lives in Detroit, right? You live in Detroit? Yeah, he doesn't know the yeah. Hollywood. So, so we don't get to always see you. Too bad that you don't also live here. You got to get your films to make millions of dollars so you have a house in both places so we right. see you more often. Well, well, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> well, I think Sadie, I think both. Yeah, I think Sadie uh, is coming uh, on Friday and, and uh, hopefully Marcel as well. Uh, yeah. 
Sadie, and, and more Sadie, people you know. So. Sadie is all over the world. They took her to Genoa, Italy to shoot a film, which I can't wait to see. Then she, she was just in Paris. Then I she went to, to Chicago. She went to Florida. She went to Paris. She's all over the world now filming. Sadie Katz is soon going to leave the horror genre and go into major motion pictures. I feel that they're ready to pull her out of where she is now. And I think she's going to be up there with great Hollywood stars. Sadie, I worked with Sadie, like I said, and she was brilliant. So here's what we're going to we do, going? guys. Only here's two, what we're going to do. We're a two-hour show. I know. Here's what we're going to do. I Why know. are we going? Huh? Because I've got to call Lorene, and they can't add more people to the screen. Who said they have four people huh? on the screen? I know, because it doesn't show up, and it doesn't work good. You know what? Uh, um, this show. So anyway, here's what we're going to do, you guys. First of all, you guys... Uh, Agamon's Gate, February 11th. Follow, follow Harley at Harley the Swede. But I'm enjoying them. Can't they follow stay? Follow Jan Birch. Well, I don't. Uh, we can try. Scotty J, can you can you add yeah. Loreen? Let's do it. Uh, just for you guys, because it's you. All right, I, I will bring Loreen in here. I'm having such a good time with these two. <laughs> let's bring Loreen into the party. Come on, let's bring her in. I'm going to dial her up right now. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't really get it. Go. You don't get people that give opinions like you two who are honest. Most of the people in our business are so fucking afraid of opening their mouths. You know, they're terrified of whatever they say. I, I'm enjoying this interview a lot. And I don't feel good, so that's good. But now with <laughs> yeah. Lorene... Hopefully forgetting about your troubles. No, I get bitchy when I'm sick like this. That's why I, I went after... We both have we both have the flu. flu. That's why I went after that friggin' whatever, Lionsgate. Because he has the flu. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because I just felt that lines, you know, <laughs> the script was okay. But I said to the director, listen, I'm from oh, Brooklyn. I hung out with the mob. I grew up with the gangsters of Brooklyn. I know the mafia well. They're my friends. I'm in their house. They're in my house. Even the big bosses, the big names. I know how they think. I know how they function. I know how they talk. This line doesn't work. Brooklyn guys don't say this line. Like, over there is a diner. Okay, we got to go. You know, they're not going to say that. They're going to say, yeah, over there is a diner. Anyway, nobody listens to me. Yeah. Where's Lorene? Lorene, hit your video button. Oh, there she is. I can see her. She's up there. Okay. I can. Hey, Lorene, can you see Can you see Harley and, and Jan? They're on the line also. Hi, Harley. Hi, Lorene. I can't wait to see you. Oh, my God, that smile. Unbelievable, beautiful smile. Okay. Look at his beard. Look at his beard. He's like wait, all like where is now. Where is Lorene? She's right there. I'm right there. That little round thing? Yes. <laughs> I'm here, but I'm not all there. What am I supposed to do? No, no, you're there. You're there. Why can't it's you? It's going to get roached because you can't. There's not enough room for everybody, which is what I told you just a minute ago. But we've had four people on it once. I know. He's got to work. <laughs> he's got to work it into the whole thing to make it work. Um, oh, Lorraine. Hey, Lorraine, it's so nice to see you. We also have Jan Birch who disappeared for a minute. I don't know where he went. But everybody, welcome Lorraine Landon to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. Hi. Hi, everybody. Where's Jan? He's he disappeared. He, he probably sure. went to oh, yeah. he, he probably went to pee. He had a pee. Like. <laughs> and I, I gotta let you know, I am actually on the site for the TV show, and I gotta walk back in here in a minute. So so okay, for five minutes before I have to run back in, and uh, and uh, we're fine. actually getting our our funds for the TV show today. Yeah, congratulations! Yay! All right, so that way. Congratulations. Thank what you. What, what hey, TV I'm show? Back. What what TV show? <laughs> It's what called TV show? It's what TV called show? Tale of Tales. What is it? Tales. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of interesting. They brought me in to play the lead character of this TV show. 
And I read everything through. I loved the character, uh, but I felt the story was kind of thin. It takes place. It's a, a, an owner of a strip club uh, that's kind of a low-end mob boss. So it has a bit of the Ozark meets the Sopranos. And then uh, a, a girl, the, the, one of the strippers, essentially ends up getting uh, missing. So uh, the uh, police investigation starts and we find out that everything in that club is not on the up and up. Uh, and there's an awful lot of issues with, uh, with, with Nick. Um, so when they brought the story to me, there, were, uh, there was only pretty much Nick's story. That was pretty much the thread throughout the whole thing. I just feel that it wasn't multidimensional enough to draw a big audience. So I added a couple of layers. I feel, you know, since Sons of Anarchy ended, there's been a void of a good biker show. Yes. Uh, I felt, I felt uh, that the criminal aspect to me felt like we should probably have uh, some kind of detective or FBI side of things uh, for them to feel even more heat on Nick. So I, I added these things. Uh, they loved the additions. I started writing for it. And then uh, uh, about five, six weeks ago, they asked me to direct. So uh, we start shooting it in in uh, in two weeks. Yay! Uh, February 14th, we start shooting. That's, it sounds like a film I should be in, a gangster film, another one. <laughs> Are you shooting in the Ozarks, Harley? Yeah, it's similar. It's it's in that direction for sure. I just came back from the Ozarks. Oh, yeah? I Very just, cool. I just shot a movie called Sorrow's Way in the Ozarks in Rockaway Beach and... Uh, um, uh, Branson, Missouri, and the nicest, most wonderful people, and uh, it's beautiful there, absolutely fabulous. I wanted to buy the house that we uh, shot in. It's directed by Ben Lawson and a, an amazing cinematographer named Chuck France. So uh, you're really shooting in the Ozarks. You are, have you been there no, before? No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm, uh, the show is similar to the show Ozark on Netflix. I love that show. That's a great show. That's the one with Ju Justin uh, Bateman, J Jason Bateman. Yeah. Yes. Well, congratulations, Harley. Thank you, Lorraine. All right, so let's do this. Let's let Harley go, and then we'll bring Lorraine on the full screen so we can see him. Harley, everybody, follow Harley the Swede. Thank you. See his new movie. Congratulations on your new TV show, and congratulations on Agramon's Gate and all that you're doing to bring entertainment. Thank you all so right, much, we'll, Harley. We'll see you next Harley, we'll see you next week. You'll be here in see L.A., next right? Friday. Yep. Friday, yep. Friday. We'll see you then and your lovely wife. Thank Terrific. You. Thank you for giving us thank you for giving us a good show. Thank you, thank you. Bye, Harley. I mean bye yes, bye, Harley. <laughs> well, there right. he is, Jesus Christ. Bye, now we have Jesus in the flesh. <laughs> Jesus in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have Lorene, you guys, and now we have Jan Birch and Lorene, and uh, they're both how in Agamon. I only see Jan. I'm not seeing Lorene. You'll see her in a minute. She's here. Um so, uh, so what, what we're going to do is uh, talk with the two of them. So now they're both in Agramon's Gate that's coming out on the 11th. And, um, uh, uh, and, 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 and it's another film that Lorene doesn't have makeup on. And she looks all like crazy whacked out. You guys have to go online and watch Agramon's Gate trailer on YouTube because it's phenomenal. Uh, and I think you guys will like it a lot. So I think everybody needs to check it out and see it. And um, so, how many films have you two guys made together? Is that have you made more than one? Forty. Forty. <laughs> <laughs> I made now, the devil laugh. 
Yeah, no, this is the this is the this is the the the, the only one so far. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a lot more. He's incredible in it. I mean, not only not only is this one of the most gorgeous men in Hollywood, but he is so distinct looking. He has such an unbelievably uh, uh, unusual look to him that when you see him on screen or anywhere, you know exactly who this guy is. And I can't say enough about his performance because he terrified me in this movie. He really, really scared me in this movie. <laughs> and he is a absolutely luminous actor. And I am so grateful and so proud to work with him and also uh, with beautiful Katie Walleen, who, you know, it was a collaborative effort. None of us starred in the movie. We, we, uh, we all star in the movie. Calhoun Koenig is Agramon. Uh, you're Agramon. Everybody's Agramon. I, I might be Agramon. I still don't know. I haven't seen the movie. But Chris Riley is in it. Harley Walleen did an, an exceptional job of uh, creating a movie. He tackles, he tackles movies that are, uh, that most people will not touch, such as uh, human sex trafficking. Uh, this one in particular, Fear, because inside all of us is a dormant creature that once it's woken creates this irrational fear uh, impossible to control. And all these insecurities are bottled up inside of us in real life and they stop many of us from actually living a real uh, productive life. I am one of them because uh, fear has been my constant companion all my life. Uh, so I, I cannot tell you, I cannot express to you how brilliant uh, Jan Birch is in this role. I've seen him in so many movies, but w just just working with him, he encompassed. He, he became he became the devil incarnate. Yay! And, hey, and he's uh, super creepy in the trailer. I can't, I can't <laughs> say enough about him. What compliment? Super creepy. I like it. No, so, I Lorraine. mean thank you. I thank you so much, Lorraine. I have to I have to butt in here a little bit, Jimmy, uh, and and also uh, share uh, uh, you know her how I felt about her performance. I mean, when we when we shot the scene specifically in the in the hospital. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, as she knows now, I, I go quite deep into my character. And so I had my own little private space oh, yeah. and, and I did not want to see her before we started shooting, you know, because I sat in this chair and prepared myself because if I go up and talk to her, say, Hey, what's happening? All of a sudden, you know, I'm becoming yawn again. And, and, uh, you break the character, yeah. Yeah, and we because you know we didn't we don't have the, the you know two months to shoot this thing. It's not a studio film, so um, uh, you know when I find when it, so we basically didn't you know we rehearsed a little bit, but then we we really got deep into our characters, and I and especially the hospital scene. I come up and we start playing, and she's feeding me what what, what this character needed to get fed, basically. I mean, she fed, it's, we bounced off each other tr tr tremendously, I think. It was, it was brilliant, not just on my end, it was brilliant on her end too, uh, most Thank definitely. So. Thank you. Well, I think I'm scarier looking than you, Jan, because I had no makeup on in the film. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had more makeup, makeup than you probably, yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Since you guys have both since you guys have both been in big studio productions and now you also make a lot of independent films where you know you're you're shooting in 10 days how how is it as an actor 
you know, going from movies that might take, you know, months to shoot to going to movies that take 10 days to shoot. I know for Ron, it's been a terrible thing. He just can't stand it because you, you don't have to get to rehearse or do any of those we, things. We used to go to 10 weeks of rehearsal for a movie. <laughs> no, I, I know. I mean, but one, I agree with Ron on that point that you get a lot more time to prepare. And, and, and like, like on Blessed a Child, they told me four months in advance and they wanted my body in a specific way. So I had to go to the gym like three times a day uh to get to get that uh but but at the same time though uh when you do the independent shorter shorter shoot one advantage that i feel is that you get into your character and you stay in your character the whole time if you're on a six month shoot it's more difficult to stay in your character because you know uh at sometimes you just want to kick back at a bar but and, and then you, you lose, you know, yeah, you lose the, more of your character. The, the but if you have a 10 day shoot, you get in and I, I really don't get out at all. But did you ever see in, in studio films an actor who at some points of the film is better than he was in other points of the film? The points where he's better is because he's done it longer. So you do acquire a better sense of who you are when you see the dailies because you see where you fucked up on the dailies and you prevent that from happening again. And now you're going to cultivate your character better. So I think that when you do a, a studio film of three months, you really have the character down pat and the film is so much better quality wise. Why is it motion pictures we see in the movie theaters on screen are professional looking and yet some of these movies that we see at these red carpets are not because of the timing. It's yeah, all, you can't do quality. Listen, you can't do good work in 10 days. I'm sorry. It's not possible. It's like, it's like manufacturing something quickly. It's not the quality of what's good. Well, uh, con conversely, conversely, when I was doing huge budget movies for like uh, 20th century Fox, which was I, the jury with Armand DeSante or all the marbles with, um, Peter Falk, directed by the great Robert Aldrich, and uh, Airplane 2, you had to work within a certain box, a bubble. And the beauty about independent films is I can do all this improvisation that you cannot do in a studio film. They just want boom, boom, boom because of the time restraints. And uh, in independent films, I am allowed to do a lot of improvisation and I bring my my uh, work to the table as gorgeous Jan does, and you know we gorgeous we, Jan. <laughs> well, he is gorgeous. Get yes. out. If he wasn't married, well, it'd be a different story. But his <laughs> wife, wife will kill me. Anyway, I love Victoria. She's she should be a movie star. We love her too. <laughs> She's so beautiful and kind. But what I'm trying to say is, um, there there is a beauty to independent films, and that is you are allowed to bring characters to uh, to um, the format that you cannot bring to a big studio film. I've made 27 big studio films, and every single one I had to go by the rules and hurry, 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 whereas, and that's when we had um, um, film. I feel film is uh, forever and digital is deletable, but the beauty about uh, uh, digital films is you can do it over and over and over again in a snap. That's and true. So, 
So that's what I love about independent films is the ability to do... Yeah, but you, you don't get to do it over in independent films. If you don't get it right by six or seven times, you're out because there's no time and there's no, you need speed. Whereas a studio... When I was shooting that movie with Sophia, they were doing one scene for about 20 times until they got it right. And at one point, Sophia slipped on the wet concrete, fell down and cut her knee... And we had to wait hours for her to get better and come out and reshoot it. If that were a 10-day a, a, a shoot, they would have just edited out her falling and they would have moved on, which could, could have ruined the film. Um, the quality, when I go to the movies and I see film, studio film, I see quality. I don't see hokey pokey, let's do it in the garage kind of film. When I go to some of these premieres, I see hokey pokey. I, I see... Bad directing, bad acting, bad scenery, bad everything. This is the point I'm trying to bring out. Um, when you're yeah. doing a $25 million film, you have what to do with. When you're doing a $150,000 film in a cast of eight people, you have nothing. So that's a sad part about indie films. They, they never, they'll never be quality films to go in theaters to make the big bucks. And if you're on the back end of a... Of a uh, a studio film, you might make some money. But if you're on the back end of these horror movies, never. You never make a nickel. So that's the bad part. Actors don't get much money. Okay. <laughs> you didn't leave that open for anybody to comment. No, I did. I did. Actors, no, I mean, it, 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 it makes sense to, to some extent. I agree. I agree. Uh, and also, but, but the thing is, even if it's an independent, you, it's all up to you how much you can prepare. Like when I work with Harley, I know three months before we shoot what I'm playing. I have the script. I'm working in script changes with him. It's, it's a, but, but on the other hand, as I agree with you, I've done s smaller independent films where I don't get the script until I get to set and I'm supposed to shoot that day. Yeah. Uh, they just yeah, basically is, told me ridiculous. about the character and I don't. And, and yeah, that, that I don't like at all because I don't even know, you know, even, even before shoot and no names mentioned, but it just happened just last summer to me. Uh, I kept uh, calling the director asking, so what, are, you know, what do you see? How do you see the character? He's like, well, let's talk about that later. And I'm like, I, well, I want to talk about it now. <laughs> We're shooting in two weeks. Yeah, but they don't. Uh, they don't. No. What did, you I, what did you think of Hanukkah? I never saw it. I never saw it. Well, you're lucky you didn't see it. It was the worst film ever made. <laughs> I don't know how they had the audacity to call it a movie. It was backwards, upside down, inside out. Also, written... though, we didn't see the newest one. I don't give a shit. The one I saw was hideous. It was something that an eight-year-old could do with a movie camera in a garage. It was a horrible film. Hanukkah stinks, and it had some good actors in it. My Sadie Katz was in it, and My Sadie was not happy with that film. So I have a quite uh, a comment though then about what now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, with Jan. Oh shit, now I forgot what I was going to say. See like I messed it up. I lost my, my, my moment. My mother would say that it was a lie. No, it was it was something <laughs> about the whole indie film cuz not all indie films are terrible. Oh, I know what listen, I was going to say. No, no, I got it now. Like like one thing about it, Han, cuz I've seen almost I think I've seen most of the indie films and some of the ones you've been in have been really really good. Some of them not so good. Unfortunately, everybody's got some indie films that are not so good. Um, but I think that working with Harley is different than since I, uh, than a lot of the other indie producers because he seems to be very uh, willing to work it out with you. You know, three months in advance, you guys are already like talking about the way it's going to be. And, and so I think he seems way more involved as a director than a lot of the other directors who you just show up and do whatever you do and they don't really direct you. I oh. came from Hollywood yeah. of years ago. No, that's, uh, 
That that is that is com- to, to completely correct. That is true, and then that's why I don't really see what we do with Harley as a, as a. I don't put him in the same box as all the other He's independent not. small He's horror not. movies at all. I see it no. more as a like I told uh, like I told you guys earlier as a very much longer relationship, and it has not been all horror. You know, it's been an action thriller on the first the first movie I ever did with him. I, I played a Swedish scientist in an action thriller about that. Uh, 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 you know, human slavery. Uh, yes. And then, and then, uh, and then, uh, Eternal Code was also, uh, uh, you know, like more of a crazy scientist. But, but uh, uh, I don't, I get like, I don't put him in the boxes. A lot of other names we can mention here. Uh, I think he takes it much more serious. He takes it much more serious to get his investors' money back. That's for sure. Well, that's uh, than and then a lot of I, other these people. That's why. That's why I call him uh, Harley the King of Social Commentary, because. Uh, akin to my departed best friend Larry Cohen, Larry always uh, had a social commentary or thematic echo in all his films. And Harley does that too. Like I said earlier, he tackles issues like human trafficking and about uh, science um, and, and different things like this. In, for instance, fear. This movie is predicated upon fear, which we can all relate to at some degree in our lives. But he tackles issues in in his movies that no one else will touch, uh, and you you can see it in his work. And I, I just I just love working with him. And and he he comes to you when you're shooting. He talks to you uh, gently. What if we tried it this way? How do you feel? And he he uh, in this particular role, I went places in my in my uh, reverie in my past that were untapped for a long time that I kept under lock and key in my heart because it was so painful and excruciating and that was my father and how my father died and I never talk about that I never go into detail what happened with my father how he died but Harley was able to bring that out because we had talked a little bit about it and he opened me up he got me to open up and that's why I was able to perform this role the way that I did it. I wasn't. I can't wait to see. I, it. I can't wait to see I it either. To improv, my. I'm it in, sounds like a good film, Lorraine. I could only use my eyes, my heart, and my head. Good. Uh, uh, I, another another point I want to bring out: when Barbara Streisand decided to write, produce, and direct, they called her the triple the triple threat. Yeah. It, it was looked upon in Hollywood as an egotistical, terrible move. Nowadays. Most of the films that I've been in or I've seen friends in are written, produced, and directed by the same person. Right. I, I think that doesn't give enough influx of other people's thinking and feelings. When you write it, direct it, and produce it, it's a one-way-sided thinking. That's what makes these films look one-sided, one-way thinking. You read lines. You don't act anymore. I saw you in that other film last week. Unfortunately, not enough of you. I was cut out a lot of it, and I'm yeah. Sure. Well, the film was a the film was a disaster as far as I'm concerned because it made absolutely no sense to me. I watched it. I mean, you were fabulous as that drunken evil bitch, and I wanted more of you. I was and in then, it a lot more. I was cut out a lot of it. I know, which made no sense. So your character absolutely was not of any value to me. I dismissed it and said, okay, she's a one-shot deal in this movie. But the directing wasn't very good. 
And I didn't care much for the story. And I thought the film was awful. Then I found out the reasons why, and I quite understood why the film was chopped to pieces and made to look like shit. But it won't go anywhere, that film. So the person that did all these things only was her, her own worst enemy. Yeah, we, so, won't, we won't say her name. No, we, we won't we say her name, but, you know, we know that this happens in film, and it's a shame, because some of actors' best work lies on the floor in the cutting room, and that's a sin, because you work very hard and long hours, 17, 18 hours, to yeah. get what you're doing perfect, and then these people so carelessly, thoughtlessly just chop it up and throw it on the floor, like, oh, well, fuck that, we don't need that. Well, you do need it. If you didn't need it, it wouldn't have been shot. That's true. Lorraine, yeah, I have no, to tell I mean, you, you look gorgeous. Lorraine, I mean, the two, of you guys, the two of you guys are like supermodels on the screen she's, here. My, my, my Lorraine is always my gorgeous. Go look. ahead, Jan. What she's were you going to say? Yeah, well, no, what I was going to say a little bit on, on, on Ron's note there, uh, uh, to compare Harley with, with a lot of other, these other guys that we have, we have touched base on it before. He does, even if he wrote uh, or co-wrote uh, some of these, I mean, Agamons, it was uh, a friend of his, I mean, uh, and uh, Brett now writes, and the next movie we're doing together called uh, Beneath Us All, I'm playing a, a Viking vampire. Yeah, they were shooting in April. That's also a different writer. So he's he's opening up the doors a little bit more. But at the same time, even if he writes the the the, the concept and he does produce and direct, he does allow. He opens the door specifically for the actors. And I seen him work with his DP a lot and 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 the editing, like he discussed before. So he's a little bit of a rare gem that way. Uh, Absolutely. On, on, even if he wears all the hats. Uh, it's not his way or the highway. It's more like, okay, so how can this be better? And that's but not, that's, but not, not everybody is like him. Yeah, he's no, a, he's, no, he's, he's, he's a, he's a diamond. In yeah. The rough. He's an exception to the rule. Now, for example, listen to what I have to do. I'm in, I'm shooting a film here, thankfully in Palm Springs, I believe. And it's called the angry gun. Of course, I play the head of the mob, a real big killer guy that knocks everybody off. So, of course. so, so sun, <laughs> Sunday I'm having, the, the writer and the producer over, he's the one man, for dinner, Sunday lunch. And we're going to sit and we're going to discuss this film and we're going to discuss my character and we're going to discuss the script. He's a young guy. He used to be my editor years and years ago when I had my TV show set the record straight. He's a phenomenal photographer and now he's been in producing. So I, I won't use his name yet, but we have a good friendship going in camaraderie. And I, and I want to just discuss with him and I want to teach him, get to know your actor socially for a little bit. Get to feel what you could get out of that actor. Study the mannerisms of the actor. Like this guy, Jan, has the eyes. His eyes could stab you with knives. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that's like in person. He's not acting. Jan looks at you and you feel daggers going through you. So you know what? No, it's true. So you know what? Use those eyes. Use If a writer is smart in the script, have the camera do a close-up of Jan staring a dirty look at somebody. Years ago in Hollywood, we didn't only speak. Today in all these horror movies, they read lines. We acted. We moved. You, we, you know, we could walk across a room, look down at the floor, shake our head, not say a word, and the audience knew what we were doing, saying, and thinking. 
They don't do that today. Actually, Lorraine is doing that in this movie because in basically Lorraine, in no, Lorraine is an actress. Let's not even get into her. Lorraine is my favorite. Please, Lorraine, Lorraine can act. <laughs> I mean, Lorraine and Jan can like, act. Fuck her. She's not even in this conversation. Lorraine is <laughs> Lorraine is my movie star. I'm not even talking about her. Or Sadie Katz, another tremendous actress. Are you kidding? I'm talking about some of these people I know. And like, I want to be nice. And after a shot, I want to open my mouth. But I say, don't you dare. They'll kick you off the set because you're going to be a troublemaker. So it's sad. But it, acting is not only speaking. Why don't they do that anymore? Okay, yeah, go I mean, for so it. Some of, the, some of the big, big directors still does that. And I mean, uh, uh, fortunately, a lot of times when I met uh, the studio films I've done, uh, the way be before, besides just audition or callbacks, uh, uh, 80, 90 percent of the time, the director actually asks me to have dinner, uh, which I uh, think it's, it's a, a brilliant idea. And that's why they always did that. They always did that in the past, in the old days. Well, they, and, and they did exactly what you're telling me, what you told us now. You sit there and you discuss things and they, they observe yeah. you. They study you. They study your mannerisms. Absolutely. And then they make a decision. Is this guy good for the role or not? Absolutely. I was, I was just going to say something important. It went out of my mind and it's so important. I, what the hell was I going to say? In the meantime, yeah. In the meantime, I my mind is going blank. By the way, I'm in the meantime, I'm we'll tell everybody. You want to like so, Lorene, you guys, uh, Lorene and Jan are in a new film. It's going to be available for the world to see on February 11th. It's called Agramon's Gate. If you go on YouTube and plug in Agramon's Gate um, uh, on YouTube, oh. you can see the trailer, which is phenomenal, and you will see Lorene looking not like you ever see Lorene. Every time we see Lorene, she's right. so like dolled let me, up. Let me interrupt because I I won't forget. Marcel Waltz did a film called Blind. Yeah. I'll give you a quick rundown of the film. They know it. They've all they Famous, were there. Well, no, for our audience. Famous movie star, gorgeous glamour girl, goes blind from a bad operation. She's now in her gorgeous home up in the Hollywood Hills. Well, a fan who's a psycho sneaks into her house and lives there without her knowing. Because she's blind. Now, Marcel did a lot of what I love, no dialogue. The scene that I love the most, which is the oldest cliche scene in the world, it's been done a million times, still got me to go, oh! <laughs> she was in the refrigerator getting some wine out of the refrigerator, and when she shut the refrigerator door, he was standing right there. Yeah. That was a, a fabulous piece of old-fashioned work, but it got me because I knew how creepy it was. Could you imagine this guy was following her around, watching her shower, watching her sleep? He was absolutely following her all over her own house, and she never knew he was there. It reminded, now, me, it reminded me of the movie uh, with um, uh, what Audrey was Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn, yeah. Yeah. Wait Don't until dark. Wait until dark. Dark. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a brilliant film. I think Marcel did a fabulous job with it. And, and Sarah French, Sarah French was brilliant in it. I love that. I love that film. I love the concept. I love the story. And you know what the sad part is? He can't get distribution. Why? I don't know why. A film that is classically fabulous because it's not shit. If it was a piece of crap with heads rolling off and guts flying out and eyeballs hanging out, he would have got distribution. Because it's a it's 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 in the mode of Alfred Hitchcock. Right. It's that kind of a film. Yeah. I, don't know. I can't understand why he can't get distribution. Thriller. Yeah, it was terrific. He's I loved it. It, it was terrific, and, and and we're not allowed to tell how much. But I mean, this movie—the movie was made for no money, which shows that if you're a good filmmaker, for no money, you can put together a good film. You know what's brilliant, Mark? 
Marcel is German from Germany. He did many films in Germany. German filmmakers uh, have a way of making film that is articulate and very, very definite. And artistic, very artistic. Very yes. artistic. Yeah. So Mar Marcel's got another film he's doing now. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be another stupendous film. Marcel is a fabulous uh, director and producer. He's up and coming, and he's going to be up there one day with the biggies. Let's let's brag on Lorene a little. So Lorene, besides Agrimon, Lorene, besides Agrimon's Gate, how is the how is the roller derby thing going? What roller derby thing? What are you well, talking you play about? The police. You're the police mars commissioner. In the roller derby film. She forgot. Is it, oh no, it's wrestling. It's wrestling. It's wrestling. <laughs> so what are you doing with roller? No, no, I I messed up roller derby. Well, I forgot what it's called. Were well, you the commissioner? I saw the videos. You're the commissioner of the wrestling women or something. Oh, oh, whoa! whoa. <laughs> Future <laughs> ladies of wrestling. Um, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, oh. it's Glow, fabulous, uh, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. But now it's called Flow, fabulous ladies of wrestling. Gotcha. But I've been. I've been doing another film called Sorrow's Way in uh, Branson, Missouri, and also uh, Rockaway Beach. And I stayed with the mayor, Rex Reed. I stayed at the mayor's house when I was there and with his, him and his husband. And we had a fantastic time. I cried my eyes out when I left. But it's a beautiful story about a woman who's dying, and she has lost uh, all contact with her daughter. And what, what happened was... Uh, she was in a terrible uh, accident years, 20 years ago, and she hasn't spoken to her daughter in over 20 years. And she's dying now, and she's trying, trying desperately to get to go see her daughter. So it's kind of like a road trip, and she meets all these people along the way that would have represented her daughter, her son, who was killed in the car crash, and also her husband. So um, essentially, it's about reaching out and telling people that you love them and the thematic echo of the movie for me is the bitterest words ever said in life the bitterest wor tears ever shed are for words that are left unsaid and along oh my gosh that's like almost makes you want to cry <laughs> well that's what she's desperately trying to do and she has a very limited time to do it and um it, it, it's true we all should reach out and forget about politics forget about Forget about everything except uniting, reaching out, call somebody today, tell them you love them. Look what happened to poor Kobe Bryant and all those poor children, not just yeah, And listen to you, Miss Big Bullshit Artist. When are you coming to visit me? I keep inviting <laughs> yeah, you. you. <laughs> reach, reach someone, call out. I, I, I call out to you all the time. I reach out to you all the time because I love you so much. I didn't have a car. I just got another car. I didn't have a car for two months. I just got Well, a we would have come and gotten you. Come on. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't pick me up and do yes, back I, up. Yes, I would. You don't know me. Yes, I would. We'd J pick you up. Jimmy we'll pick has up Yon and Victoria, too. You can, <laughs> we can take it. You can get a ride with us. Yeah, we'll have <laughs> Yon and Victoria come so, out, and then so you guys Miss, all come. So, Miss Full of Baloney, don't give me that shit with reach out and call somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a car five days ago, eh? I just went and got the license plates for let's, my new listen, car. Listen up, listen up, Miss Missy. I love you more than anything, <laughs> and you know it. You know how much I love you. You're my favorite oh. person. You and Sadie Katz are my dream girls. 
All right. If you were a girl, Jan, you'd be in there too, but you're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and guys, serious. Hey, I'm Ron, serious. have you seen have you seen uh, um, Cyber Bandits? No. Uh, Are you with? In it? Uh, uh, I'm playing Princess Paula. I play a transvestite in that movie, so you oh. can uh, you can get a little feel of the other side. No, no, no. <laughs> you're, you're you're in drag. You're in drag. I'm in full drag. You're gonna be an ugly woman. Oh, uh, we have to do that. <laughs> it's you're me, uh, be the ugliest fucking woman I have ever seen. It's me and Grace Jones. She's my oh. girlfriend. Okay, Grace is <laughs> Grace looks like a guy. What? What? Are you shaving your beard? Oh no, the beard is gone for that movie. That was that movie was made in 1995, but it's a fun movie. It's uh, uh, we're gonna watch it. Just for, isn't Adam Ant in that movie also? It's in the movie, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're going to have to watch it just because we want to see what you looks definitely. like. Yeah, definitely. Grace Jones. In drag, he's got to look like I don't know what. So hang on, <laughs> you guys, because we've only got three minutes. So, Lorene, uh, Lorene, 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 what I love is, you. What's your Twitter? At Lorene underscore Landon, is that right? Oh, no, just Lorene Landon on Twitter. Please, everybody, follow me now. Follow Lorene. Follow, follow Jan. He's Jan Birch. Um, everybody, you want to see these You want to see these two superstars in Agramon's Gate? It's coming out on February 11th. Directed by Harley Wallen, who's also tickets? in it. Do people have to buy tickets or what? Do I have to buy a ticket? No, you don't get to invite people. It's invite only for the uh, actual Lorraine, you're in the movie. You don't get to buy tickets. <laughs> joking. We're coming, though, Lorraine. We're, we're on the invite list, so we're coming to see you at your premiere on Friday. I hope so. We can't wait to see you, but the rest of the world can see it on February 11th on video on demand. So we want everybody to see it so the film can be a big hit for Harley and for all the actors that are here with us now. Katie Wallin is in it. She's fabulous. Yes. And a very yep. organic actress. And Calhoun Koenig is in it. She's wonderful. We've got a lot of people there that we want to see that we like a lot. But you, you the most. You the most. Now, really seriously, when are you going to come out to the house on a nice Sunday, we'll have a lunch, and then an evening, we'll do something. We'll have some friends over. Maybe you could sleep over if we find some place to put you. Can we all sleep in the same bed? Can we all sleep in the same no. bed? No, we can't sleep in the same bed. We're not Palm Springs three-way people, believe me. <laughs> well, you try, you try, right? You try. <laughs> you tried, Lorene. Jimmy, Jimmy and I are not into that Jan, stuff. Jan, I love that halo around you. <laughs> Don't Everybody loves it. So he, what is that actually? He looks Jan? like Jesus Christ. Now that we've it's, had actually, uh, it's actually uh, a silver plate. This is my office. Uh, it's a silver plate. It's a decorated thing. But, uh, uh, you know, obviously now it works like a halo. I can use that's, it again. That's, no. the only, that's the only thing you have on the wall is a silver plate? Yeah. Which is halo. Guess, guess, <laughs> guess what? He's going to get about 35,000 offers now to play Jesus Christ. Everybody that sees this show, they're going to say, get Jan for Jesus. Look, get Jan for Jesus. I like love it. All right, everybody. So we've got to go. We want to like thank uh, Harley everybody. Wallen. We want to thank Jan Birch. We want to say hello to his wife, Victoria. We want to say uh, thank you to Lorene Landon, who's the love of our life. Um, chat room, everybody. We you had know a great what, Jimmy, time. Stop saying that. She's not the love of your life. She's the love of my I mean, life. I she calls me. I talk to her all the time. Yeah, because you talk business. <laughs> oh, well. She doesn't call me because, you know, she's so in love with me. I'm in love with her. We're afraid to talk to each other. Yes. <laughs> you got to like go. Um, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, Lorraine we're, and, and, and Jan, we're going to see you guys next Friday night at the premiere. Everybody have a great weekend. Chat thank room, you. thank you. 
Um, Scotty J, Danielle, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see everybody next Bye. week. Bye, everybody. Yeah, we in the mix. Yeah, we in the mix. It's another episode. Here we go. The Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell.